Good morning, good afternoon, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, and welcome to summer. Oh my god, that's right. It is summer. It certainly does not feel like summer. It is officially not summer. Not where we are. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a very rainy spring at the moment. Wow. Charles and George, how are you guys doing? How's your week been? I mean, I actually kind of know what your guys' <laughs> week has been. But anyway, just like to hear it from you guys in your own perspective. Some things are better left unsaid. No, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a it's a good week. It's been a busy week as always, and just as always, excited to be here with uh, with you both doing the show. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much just echo that. It is a full on craziness at the time. So it, there's just a lot, a lot, a lot going on. So uh, not a lot of sleep, um, a lot of work, a lot of sore muscles, um, and then uh, trying to make things happen. Yes, yeah, so Sussex Red Nation, we are working on a project that is due next week. It's mean that we're not getting any sleep at all. We are working really hard. I think like maybe we're putting on 14, 15 hours. At least for me, it's even longer. Because I have a lot of research, I have a lot of things I need to get done and be prepared and be ready. So, yeah, but um, for me, I am better compared last week. I think last week was very difficult doing those two words. Uh, I didn't like the way they make me feel. I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel right doing them. I don't think I was quite prepared and ready on how it's going to feel afterwards. I think uh, I would like to say um, I apologize to you guys. Um, Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation. I feel like I didn't do those words justice. Because it's it's a very tricky thing. Because in very charged words. And so there's many places you can go with this word. And you have to be careful. And last week's words were, were lies and hate. Exactly, exactly. It was uh, very, very difficult because I know I had to be cautious on what I said and try to sort of make sure I didn't say too much. The emotion was there. Everything was there. So I feel like I was rambling a lot and I couldn't say what I really, really wanted to say. And so I ended up to say much and didn't feel good. I think I must have gone right to bed. But that is, of course, after what happened to us. Can you guys go over and tell Sussex Squad Nations and Sussex Squads what happened? Well, the long and short of it is that we just simply had some audio problems. Um, the, you know, obviously we are recording this. It's recording on a SD memory card and the memory card completely crapped out. So as we were going through, all of a sudden the whole thing just, just kibbutz and it was sorely annoyed um, had to do a lot of quick last minute scrambling, had to do a lot of cut and paste. It was just a mess. The but, thing uh, is, we survived. The thing is, I think it's because we probably was in the studio for about two hours and just, oh, nothing record. <laughs> what do you well, mean? That's not, ex- that's not exactly that's what true. You said. That's not exactly true. We got about half of it. We got about half of it was recorded, and then the other half we had to kind of stitch together. 
Oh my goodness. And that's why some some of you all noticed the us uh, it seeming like we were talking over talking each other. Over it, each we other. weren't actually talking over each other. It's just because of some of those tech issues. So we tech are issues. sorry. Yeah. So um what is going on in Church and Alley Report this week? Because they know there's a again, there's a lot going on. It, it is a very, very busy time. Uh, there is quite an extensive Church and Alley Report. Um, first and foremost, I'm actually going to give the last Kaboom update. The latest total is $133,000. So that's amazing, everybody. Good Incredible. job. The reason why Incredible. we actually... Uh, continue uh, week after week kind of giving these updates about uh, about Kaboom and this particular effort and fundraiser is because just to really uh, reemphasize how important uh, everyone here is and what a good job that they do and the fact that there's just a lot of hate, there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of um, just garbage that goes online uh, about kind of um, our couple. And this is just a great way to kind of um, – showcase the fact of really there's positive news out there there's there there's really true change good change that uh that all of us are taking part of and that we just want to recognize that and it's also is about the work right it's the work what they're doing i mean they could spend their time talking all a lot of nonsense and garbage but it's about the work and so we have to highlight the good work because the people that are benefiting from the work that they're doing out there and that we are doing out here so it's incredible it's of course yeah yeah so after that um there's just been a lot of news that's going out um this week and a lot of it's just ridiculousness um but we actually ran on and i want to actually read a couple um a uh, couple segments from an article from grazia and um which is a great uk newsletter uh just about the smear campaign that's currently happening with Meghan Markle right now. Right. So here's basically kind of the things that, and, and I, again, I'm, this, I'm taking some excerpts from the particular article here, but they say bad things come in threes, but for Meghan Markle, it feels uh, less of a superstitious happening and more of a targeted attack. This morning, the following news that she and uh, Prince Harry have parted ways with Spotify. It was reported that Meghan heavily rumored deal with Dior is not happening. And at the same time, she's being torn apart for apparently faking interviews on her Archetype podcast. So first, as the author says, uh, allow us to clear a few things up. First, Dior, contrary to the headlines implying there was some sort of snub, both the Sussexes and Dior have come out to say there was never any truth to the rumors to begin with. There was <laughs> never any sponsorship deal. A source at Dior said to the Telegraph that their team was non-pulsed um, at how the story came about, while spokespersons for Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle confirmed that rumors were just simply not true. Of course not. So, okay, well, check one. So, obviously, this ridiculous thing about Dior is not even a thing. It was never a thing. It was obviously just invented. So the second piece uh, that was going on is, is obviously what they're saying about the podcast. And so the article says, anyone involved in a podcast production might tell you it's not out of the norm for producers to help interview people. It's also not out of the norm for voiceovers to be dubbed in, corrected, and re-recorded after an interview, which is the exact same thing for TV production. It might not be typical for the content uh, for them to be put out as if it's a conversation, but with someone as high profile and as busy as Meghan Markle and her guest, we can surely make allowances for the occasional dub voiceover. 
It certainly doesn't warrant a barrage of headlines calling her a fake, nor is it even new information. Journalist uh, Alison Noir uh, revealed last year that her interview was on the show was conducted by our producer, Ferris Safari. Uh, so why is it coming up now? Uh, and why is it being spun in such a foul way? So completely agree. And then this is just a non-story. But anyway, so... Another thing just in regards to the podcast is the fact that, okay, well, you know, this is this whole thing is just showcasing the fact that no one cares and basically that, you know, their popularity is dying down and that the career is on the wane. And the retort to that in terms of this article and what she says is that the woman whose podcast actually won awards acquired legendary guests like Mariah Carey and Serena Williams and debuted to an estimated 11 million plus listeners while listening to figures that aren't even released. Joe Rogan's podcast is estimated to be heard by an average of 11 million um, Spotify users per episode. Archetypes uh, threw Archetype. him. Ar, sorry, thank you. Archetype threw him off the top podcast spot on Spotify just two days after the first episode dropped. So, again, it may seem unfair for Megan's work to be criticized when the Duchess created one of the most listened to podcasts across the entire streaming platform. Few stories also mention the many other reasons why the Sussexes um, could have parted ways with Spotify, including a, the suggestion by some experts that Harry and Meghan are simply following Barack and Michelle Obama's footsteps, who ended their contract with Spotify last year, allegedly due to some exclusivity element in their contract, and they didn't want their podcast to only be available on Spotify. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure um, that's what it's about. Is that simple. Not that I have any information I'm alleged here, but I don't think, I, I think there's a lot more into, um, the deal. I think what you're dealing with is that the Sussexes had done an incredible job, um, you know, marketing themselves to have the kind of success they have and everybody wants a piece of it. And now that they sort of, you know, they are in Hollywood. Hollywood is a very interesting place to be. Everybody want a piece of you. Everybody want a piece of what they offering and giving. And at the end of the day, they do have a, um, oh God, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, not protocol. Have you seen not? Um, it's a, their the brand. They have to protect the brand. Who they are, what they do, what they can and cannot do, even who they can interview or not interview. And it's appear to be, I don't know that to be true, but it seems like based on hearsay is, is that, um, they wanted more, um, content from the Sussexes. They wanted more, you know, sometimes I guess you could say drama. Hollywood is built on drama. It's built on scandal as well. And probably everything that the Sussexes are not. And so there's always going to have like that kind of like butt head. And also being the fact that, you know, as successful like they was and they, they own their, I think, I believe they own all their content. And once you become very, very, very successful, People can have problem with that because it means they don't get to make continuously making money with you even when they separate deal. So there's a lot at play here and that's not included the fact that now they are being representing by a huge mega agent over there. So there's a lot in play here. 
I don't think it's as simple as they're talking about. Not that I know I have any information at all, but I'm just speculating here. Yeah, could be true and makes sense too. And then the final piece of news, because this is a very long news segment, so I'm going to wrap this up, um, is actually very cool. Um, but it's regarding the Invictus Games. So apparently Amazon is also a sponsor and also participates, and they're actually the ones who are distributing the tickets. Wow, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So Amazon actually, as you know, as one of the sponsors, um, announced that the company will be the exclusive ticketing partner of the games, uh, which will take place in Dusseldorf, as we all know, uh, September 9th through the 16th. And as a global employer with strong ties, um, it is committed to equal opportunity and is actively supporting the inclusivity of the games. Um, and for this reason, Amazon is enabling the interested spectators to watch the multi day sporting event free of charge for the first time ever yeah bravo thank you so much um amazon you know it's 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 a wonderful news um a welcome news and i think um this invictus game is going to be like any before and i think it's going to be great i think our people are coming to support that in huge numbers all around the world. Um, there's a lot of new things that's been built. It's, it's, it's prepared for like an Olympic side. Um, based on what I've seen and report and look and discussions, um, it's going to be something, you know, um, people will talk about for days, for years. Yeah. They are expecting actually a hundred thousand visitors. I, I will, I will go in the limb here. I, I believe it will be more. It will be more. I think if Germany is doing an incredible job um, putting this together and advertising it, and, and there's, there's so much. And that town itself is a great town, and everybody wants to go there. So it, it's a wonderful place. Um, so, yeah, can't wait. And by the way, I believe, um, um, God, Duchess of Sussex, she actually giving her tickets away, guys. Um, she would love to give it to uh, Esquadi. That's what she said. I was listening to her a couple of days ago. And she has the opening t- um, s- tickets. And it's a great seat based on what she's saying. And she's looking to give it to Esquadi. So you guys will need to have to go into, you know, watch her channel and maybe ask questions because she's always live. Pretty much, I think, every day as well, too. So, yeah, check with that. If you guys going to be in Düsseldorf, you might get your uh, tickets, um, maybe front or seat, who knows? Um, yeah, why not? Check her out. Okay, that's all so, for me. <laughs> Josh, let's move on to you. So, what is going on in the comments? Yes. I know there was a lot of them. Yes, a lot of, a lot of great comments. But before the comments, we are going to thank... Humbly thank, as always, our members, uh, R.R. Carter, Kimberly Orr, Ruth C., Travel Chamo, Maddie B., Beretta Batanga, Marvel Walker, Black Pearl, Lydia Washington, Patrick Coa, Marcel, Diane Hawkins, Kay Castillo, T. Higgins, and Don Robinson-Gales. Thank you so, so much. Lady Sussex, uh, Charles, and I have, have talked quite a bit about just the fact that we still can't believe it, that it's even happening. Um... So, the comments for this week 
there's a few fantastic ones, um, but just to read some of them. The first one is from K Castillo, 2692. K, K Castillo, I think they, YouTube must have changed how the names are coming up in, in comments now. Um, but Kay Castillo wrote, uh, Hello, Lady Sussex, Charles, and George. As far as I can tell, the lie, whether big or small, goes all the way back a long way and is a sin. The British tabloids are not helping the Brits by lying and inventing stories to satisfy their own agenda for wealth and power. Hope you had a wonderful Sunday and happy Father's Day. I celebrated my birthday by comforting my husband and the father of our children. Uh, prayers for Harry's court case and this channel. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Good message. And again, happy uh, belated Father's Day to all the, the fathers out there. Um, so the second comment is uh, from KA2241. Uh, she said, I love your podcast. Thank you. Uh, you guys are insightful and smart. I would have loved if you would have touched upon the grief aspect of hatred, especially as it pertains to the Royal family. I think the reason for their pointed hate towards H and M was their grief and sorrow at the realization of their social mediocrity and their lack of freedom. When Megan graced the scene with Harry, their stellar social skills and capital exposed that being in line to the throne or being born into royalty does not automatically convey intelligence, beauty, and likability. On top of that, as a socially astute spare, Harry could parlay his status into a type of personal-slash-financial freedom none of the other royals will ever have. You can see the misery and grief on Kate's face in almost every photo. We can tell by the videos that her marriage to William is all but over. The same misery and grief is on King Charles's face as he realizes that he just will never be a beloved monarch like Queen Elizabeth because of his adultery. You can see the pile of grief and sorrow as the royals struggle to stay in unhappy marriages, struggle to deal with their unpopularity, and the shame of their social mediocrity. This is where the venom of their hate comes from, the understanding that royalty can still breed mediocrity and can lead you to be trapped in roles that are not in line with your personal happiness. Wow. <laughs> it's such an incredible... I mean... That's the whole show. I tell you that. Um, and yes, we are going to get into all that, um, today. And, and when we first read that comment, I think, uh, you had made a good point. Lady Sussex is like, that is one of the main reasons, uh, not maybe main reason, but one of the core beliefs we have about this service in the first place is that we're, we're not experts. And we'll, we'll say that again and again and again, because that's the truth. But the point isn't to be an expert. The point is to actually engage a, a conversation and to, to provoke dialogue and to um, stimulate that sort of uh, thought sharing and idea sharing. And so that's, right. that's exactly the kind of thing that we'd love to read and see because that's how we all grow together. Yeah, indeed. And for our last comment for today, it's uh, from Glenroy Reed, who wrote, My good people, I've come across your podcast by accident, and unlike most accidents, it has added extra positivity to my Sunday. Your admiration for Baron is understandable and deserving. Personally, I have come to appreciate the Sussex Squad and podcasters as a, one gigantic family of harmonious love. <laughs> a love fest. Each of one, each one of you brings your own unique, exceptional perspective to those conversations that have that have to be had and must continue to be had. Without these conversations, the only outcome would be a repeat of that fatal nightmare in the tunnel in Paris. As you've correctly pointed out, the lies will intensify and become more per pervasive and persuasive. Uh, and then the epiphany. People tell lies when they are petrified of something or someone. Harry has literally ditched the Stockholm Syndrome. 
Megan knows her worth and bolted with Harry from the kind of material wealth that only death would have separated the worthless from. And although in Harry's memoir, Oprah's interview and documentary and series, the hatred and lies this biracial woman of substance has and had continued to endure, and yet she is still standing, it's unbelievable. The kind of fear derived from this hatred that these derangers are espousing on a daily basis can only lead to self-destruction. Human beings are just not designed to function with that kind of hate towards each other. I can only extend my gratitude to the Sussex Squad podcasters and family for the circle of protection that they have selflessly placed around Meghan and Harry. So beautiful, say. So beautiful, say. I mean, you know, it's words straight out of God's mouth. Really um, wonderful message. But yeah, my love for Baron, it's, it's, it's something um, I cannot describe how you can sort of feel so connected with someone that you never met you never really speak on the phone but yet that you know you feel very in sync with that person very often that you know what i'm putting a show together during the week thinking that you know what i'm thinking this and then just to turn him on and he's talking exactly what i'm thinking about or i'm listening to him don't know what the next thing that he's going to say i'm thinking about it then he's actually saying it and of course you know he's so funny uh, he'll make you laugh he'll make you cry he'll make you feel everything he just such a wonderful and so um giving you know the way he treats uh, um his audience and care about the rest of the the community and um yeah i feel very connected and very probably in some ways protected protective of him um as well so yeah i do love him and so I don't want to apologize for really constantly promoting him and, and, and talking about him because I truly believe in him. I believe in the work that he's doing and um, the undertaking. It's hard work. I mean, we only do this once a week and we can tell you it just the hardest <laughs> to put a show together, you know, for two hours. He does sometimes three hour show every day. And so, and then come up with content after content and it's never the same. And it's like you miss a day, you miss a lot. It's not like you could just watch a segment and say, oh, okay, I'll listen. No, the next one is better and better and better and better. And you just like, wow. Well, what's more is that he does those three hour shows daily and does them all laughing and having a good time and, and smiling. Exactly. I can tell you if, if the three of us were doing a three hour show every single day, <laughs> it would not be full of laughter. <laughs> because in our normal day, we, we deal with a lot, a God. lot, you know, I mean, it's, we, we pretty much very high stress people, but I suppose this was what happened when you in the honor roll. <laughs> I have to put that out there. Hard work, but hard work pays. Um. So yeah. So should we get the show start? Yeah, we we should get the show started. Even though I Let's just said it, we'll say it one more time. We're not experts. We're no, we don't claim to be. We don't. I mean, maybe we want to be, but we're not. <laughs> um. And we're not here to change anyone's beliefs. We do, however, believe ourselves that if you can at least. Uh, encourage everyone to take a step back and to think and to pause and to reflect and actually try to communicate uh the world might actually be a better place and so that's what we're here to do that's right let's get the service started don't be afraid we are society built on love built on tolerance built on love for each other acceptance 
Give them love, give them love. Don't matter what you look like. Don't matter what you believe, but just believe in love. I'm talking to Philly. I'm talking to London. I'm talking to DC. Sussex Squad, Sussex Squad Nation, Charles and George. Today's words are two words that I think it's so appropriate for this week. And one of them, it's probably something that we have been dealing, everyone that was a part of, I suppose, what you call social media, have won't deal with that in some shape or form. So the first word is troll and misinformation. So Charles, how should we look at the word trolls? Sure. So for troll, I was actually kind of surprised because I thought that, okay, well, how many definitions for troll could there possibly be? <clears throat> Turns out there's quite a few. So uh, first of all, it was actually first used in the 16th century as a noun. Um, it's the first is what we actually first associated with a troll, which is actually a Norwegian uh, Norse mythology kind of thing. It's a giant demon, um, probably akin to something more of like a, a middle high German is more or less kind of the, the root and etymology of the word. Um, and then what it is, is that, as I mentioned before, is actually it's Scandinavian folklore. It's about something that inhabits caves or hills. But then you go to this whole other thing when you start talking about the transitive verb and more or less what we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about today. Um, and even there, there's actually a layers of definitions on top of this. And there are things that, you know, I'm not the biggest um, fisherman, but apparently there's trolling and fishing. Um, and again, I've, I, I knew that in the back of my head, but it's not the first thing I think of when I think of trolls. So, but apparently the first definition is, um, is uh, to fish for by trolling. And then obviously is roots of that is basically um, trolling through the fish or basically pulling through water, a lure in order to troll fish. Um, right. So didn't even know that. Um, and then there's the one that we're going to be talking about today. So definition two a is to antagonize others online by deliberately posting inflammatory, irrelevant or offensive comments uh, or other disruptive content. Right. So um, that's basically what we're talking about. As a derivative of that, there's actually another definition, which is to harass, criticize, or antagonize uh, someone, especially by provocatively disparaging or mocking public statements, postings, or acts. Uh-huh. So that's what we want to know about. Um, and then there's still more. Another is basically uh, to cause to move around and around. Did not know that or would put troll to that. A fourth one is actually uh, to sing the parts of a song in succession. Interesting. All these things are kind of tied to trolls. So anyway, that's basically what we're talking about. But obviously, we're going to be talking about the second one. Wow. Now, in looking for some context behind this, um, I actually found a very interesting story. So during the 16th century, Queen Elizabeth obviously the first of England was perpetually annoyed by uh, one of her first cousins, which is uh, Lettuce Nolis. Uh, she was actually once removed from the Boleyn side of the family. And according to Royal Pains uh, by Leslie Carroll, giving the proper due, uh, the cousins actually looked very much alike. 
They were striking, in fact, how similar they were, and peach-colored skin and the russet-colored hair. They're both um, strong-willed and glamorous and power-hungry, apparently, but Knowles is known to be brilliant and refused to dim her light in front of the presence of the queen. Uh She would arrive to court wearing finery fit for a monarch, and in the ultimate form of one-upsonship, she actually began to have an affair with someone that the queen herself actually was quite fond of and actually even married him in 1578. Was she married? I thought she was never married. No, this Leslie. Oh, Miss Leslie. Yes, yes, she was married. So according to Carol, um, Nollies actually constantly threw the relationship that she had with her husband in Elizabeth's face. She now demeaning herself like a princess and vied in dresses with the queen, as a courtier wrote. Um, she is as proud as ever and rides through Chips, um, Cheapside drawn by four milk-white steeds and coaches of gentlewomen, pages, and servants behind so that it might supposed to be a queen or some other prince or foreign dignitary. So Elizabeth was indeed outraged and publicly boxed the ears of her brazen cousin, whom she nicknamed She-Wolf. And flouting wench, which was my favorite. Uh, but besides banishing the Knowles from court, uh, there was little that the queen could do uh, with all that rage, as she was one of the sun that lightens the earth, um, and then she would have had be the one queen of England. However, she did get her revenge after decades of annoyance. Um, after uh, one of her, uh, after one of Knowles' uh, husbands died, his, his name was Dudley. Um, the Earl of Essex, her new favorite, but in 1601, both the Earl and Nolly's third husband, Christopher Blount, uh, was executed after the plot against the Queen was uncovered. And apparently after that, the two cousins never saw each other again. Wow. Yeah. So wow. Trolling the Queen of England. There you go. Yeah, it's, that's, that's some serious... It's amazing <laughs> where the roots always, always lead to the water of England's well, that's the thing that, uh, for me, this is such an exciting word, by the way. I just can't even, I don't even think I can express adequately how excited I am to this word because, and and to be clear, excited now, having gone and, and done the some of the research and looked into these things, but also not as much when, when you first mentioned it, Lady Sussex, because it's kind of one of those words that's like, because of what it is in this amorphous thing in your mind of nasty people being offensive and racist and all of these different things online. You're like, I don't even want to deal with that. I don't even want to be around that. I don't even want to think about that word. Um, but the fact is it is a very, very interesting word and one that we probably need to spend, uh, uh, collectively, not just in the service, but just as a society, a lot more time thinking about, um, because it is probably going to be much more prevalent in, every aspect of our of our lives what it what it actually means and trying to figure out what it means and and nail it down to one thing versus another and so to that end it's actually interesting to think about it it's not a new phenomenon to your point charles it's a trolling in in a in that sort of sense has been around for a uh, for a long time and with that it's kind of i'm i'm torn for which which direction to go first because i think that's one of the things that I took away from spending time looking into this word is that there's a lot of different meanings to it, even within this uh, sort of niche of how social media has infused our lives today. Um, but I guess I'll start with this one. 
it's uh, it's actually a long one, so so bear with me. Um, and I actually would encourage everyone listening that has the time to go and uh, read this the full thing, because uh, and we put all of these uh, articles and all of these sources in the show notes every week for for all of you in case uh, you haven't seen them. They are there, uh, and this particular source is uh, open source. It's free. It's free public access, so you can go in and actually read. It's a full it's a full on book. Uh, it's titled Violence and Trolling on Social Media, History, Effect, and Effects of Online Vitriol. And so uh, this the excerpt for today is actually from Chapter 2, which is titled Don't Feed the Trolls, Social Media and the Limits of Free Speech. Uh, and this is by Tom uh, Klukas, is the author. And so what he writes is, uh, just to jump into it, he goes uh, that this chapter... Uh, starts by briefly surveying modern debates about free speech. Uh, in the process, it posits a recent shift from a model of free speech as a collective responsibility to one that presents it as an absolute individual right, which is a very different thing. This strong model of free speech, coupled with users' ability to post anonymously online, helps to shape cultures that evolve in the comment sections of various online platforms. Although each platform has its own unique community of users and set of rules governing the comments section, three broad trends can be seen to emerge. First, social media have developed a unique comment culture in which largely self-regulating communities of users reach a consensus about what forms of expression are or are not available. Excuse me. Recent research by Jude P. McCall and others suggests that as individuals learn the generally accepted rules of conduct associated with the site, their online interactions will shift to reflect their social, rather than individual, identities. The result will be a common voice emanating from the website, a generally cohesive tone characterized by overall consistent responses and overt behavior correction. Uh, which I thought is very interesting in terms of this sort of... Uh, coalescence into single single types of entities uh, from a, the blend of, of social media and its impact on kind of how we engage with each other and and uh, and the world uh, but going on he says partly this common culture is established by the host of the site uh, the moderation rules governing the sites uh, through through moderation and rules governing the site's usage however the culture is also the product of communities of users responding to one another's posts with praise or blame Often it is the site's users who decide whether or not to report a particular comment to the moderators. As a result, the community of users has a large say over the extent to which hate speech and online vitriol are tolerated. The second trend is that online platforms are governed by their own distinctive thread logic, in which traditional models of debate are su supplemented by appeals to humor and the popular phenomenon of trolling. In his study of this phenomenon, Whitney Phillips observes that <clears throat> engaging in racism or sexism or homophobia, disrupting a forum with stupid questions, or generally being annoying does not automatically make one a subcultural troll. Trolling in the subcultural sense is something a self-identifying troll sets out to do as an expression of his or her online identity. So I'll just pause there for a, for a second, because <clears throat> I think that's a... Uh, there's almost this this layer of trolling of people doing it versus people identifying as a troll and that being the sort of their their self expression of of almost sort of countercultural or subcultural uh going against the grain and i'm I'm gonna disrupt things because that's how i yeah it's how i identify as being that type of thing 
Obviously, I would love to hear more in the article. I, I because I want to see the difference of being racist and being all the horrible thing. What it makes so different just because you choose to identify or say I am this person. You know, you you have ownership to it. Do you understand what I mean? You're giving yourself a name. Somehow is a bit different than if you don't give yourself that name, but really still doing the same thing. So I kind of not sure if I'm agree with this point. Mm-hmm. No, and that's actually what, and I'll keep reading, but I think that's one of the things that I, I take away from it is that there's not, for me anyway, I, I don't come away with a clear line. Um, and I think it's, it's a very difficult thing. It seems to me to be a very difficult thing to judge because it ends up getting very close to the area of who decides what is allowed to be said and what, and who allows what's not. Um, Obviously, when it comes to hate speech and racism and xenophobia and things along those lines, those are fairly clear and they're easy to to see and identify and call them out for what they are. Uh, but the, when you start getting away from that and into just kind of being subversive or uh, dissenting uh, in a certain political discourse or something along those lines, that's uh, it's a little bit harder to to see. But anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll keep I'll keep uh, I'll keep reading. Okay, go ahead, please. So, he goes on. He says, Real trolling aims to disrupt accepted practices of online debate and conversation for the sake of, quote-unquote, lulls, uh, which Phillips defines as a particular kind of unsympathetic, ambiguous laughter. As discussed below, the phenomenon of trolling is problematic because Internet users often conflate it with hate speech. When forms of online vitriol, including those that relate to racism, sexism, or homophobia, are mislabeled as trolling, there is a tendency for users to downplay or ignore them. So that's actually where I, where I was starting to get to before, is that there's a, there is hate speech, on the one hand. That is, it is, that is what it is. And then there is people who are try, or sort of crossing the line, or, or on the line of what that is, trying to be trolls, trying to disrupt a, a conversation, but it's not, a, it's, it's coming from a different place almost. The attempt, the attempt could be, or it could always start from either innocent or try to be funny or just try to be childish about it. I got that, but it never stay there because it's eventually escalating to something else. Do you understand what I mean? It's escalating to something else. And the, the, the attention of trolling, you know, um, you know, could be something people just don't have nothing better to do. You know what I mean? They just don't have, I mean, you are behind, you know, a screen or behind sort of a monitor and you can literally write anything you want, anything that you want and no consequences for it. So I could see the appeal of that. But the person that you're doing that to, regardless wherever it's coming from, is going to react. That's exactly right. That is, and that the, the, the anonymity of, or the, 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 abil- the availability of anonymity when it comes to social media has a huge impact on this whole uh, ecosystem, the way it works, the way in which trolling even has come to life as a, as a social phenomenon. But to your point, the, the, the difference in terms of a, a user's intent may not, it may may exist, but at the same point, it doesn't necessarily change how the impact is felt. And what this author is even writing is that when when forms of online vitriol like racism are confused and conflated with and labeled as 
just trolling, then we actually don't give them the treat them with the gravity that they are due. Like they should be treated more seriously because they in fact are hate speech, but we're just we almost just categorize them off as something else. I understand, but I, I, I it's probably one of the first time that I disagree with this uh, um rather that I think there is a far line to actually really identify sort of what is trolling and what is just only hate speech. Because again, I do understand there's many people that who's out there doing this thing and it's all starting in a fun. Like my own belief, there is a lot of people that were trolling Harry and Meghan, who's not particular probably at all, hit them at all. But this is the easy way out of to make money. To make money. And so therefore, before you know it, they are all wrapped up on that and the money is good. So they don't sometimes probably don't even understand what they're doing, the effects of it. No, I the think effect you, yeah, of no, it. I think you're I think you're hundred percent. You right. know what I mean? And 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 the reality is is that you know these same people or the people that you know what who literally sort of, you know just screaming bloody mother, you know, if the same thing is done to them. They don't understand. The, to them, is this like you know what? Well, quick cash or good cash. All I have to say something like perhaps either I believe or I don't believe or whatever that is. And 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 some of the Sussex squad maybe disagree with me on that. But the reality is, you know, you have a lot of people. I mean, there's no way I can ever understand, especially when you see the kind of you know african american that was online that trolling megan and harry and you know and you wondering that what what is happening to megan you know what i mean as a biracial woman you know if this can happen to her what about you and i could almost guarantee you know you either you know obviously not too many not everybody experience racism the same do you understand what I mean? But you certainly know of it. You certainly have been around it. You certainly have experienced it in the, the, your community and you're aware of it and you know how it feels. So the idea that you could turn around and try to do that to your own, it is, it is bizarre to me. Well, it's that's something a, that that's... I understand. But, but the calculation, the way they will justify it to themselves, it's money. And a lot of them are probably ashamed of doing it as well too because they cannot explain to it. They cannot explain to it. But these days, people are willing to do anything for quick cash. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're right, but I think it's also the case, and we, I think we all would agree with this, that not all not all trolls are going to be the same. Like they're not monolith. They, there's different uh, people coming from different places. In some cases, there's even professional trolls. There are people that are paid to go and do that, whether they are getting money because they're getting enough views or or because they're actually getting paid to go and disrupt a a sort of an ecosystem. It's the same. I mean, just because we give it a a different name, if your job solely is to make somebody else miserable or sort of, you know, trolling a product that someone put their life into it because you're afraid of the competition you know i mean the result is still the same for the person at the end of it you're doing something bad to that person 
And whether you call it hate, whether you call it anything you choose to call it, the feeling behind it is the same. Because again, these people that are doing that to Megan and Harry, do you understand what I mean? You know, probably perhaps don't think they think, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, they think it's a laugh. I mean, look what just happened in England very recently with this, uh, um, you know, ITV host, right? Couldn't handle a week or two of bad press. We, everybody have to lay off. Everybody have to lay off. You know, now you are at the end of it. So how does it feel? But Megan has been having and continue having it daily. Daily. There is hundreds of hundreds of article been right in the all of either misleading articles or lies or just completely sort of fabricating. And then, you know, I mean, for what? What are these people are getting at it? And then yet the moment that he happened to them, they can deal with it. They cannot deal with it. You know, because somehow they think that, you know, oh, it's just pen and paper or it's just sort of, you know, um, stupidity. Nobody going to, sometimes they even convince themselves, nobody going to believe me. But the person that they don't see is the person that has been victimized. It's the feeling of this, you can't do anything right. This woman every night have to go to bed and then say to yourself or wake up this morning, I'm going to see what, what did I do wrong today? Who all what she tried to do is help people in the world. How do you explain that? So please continue. No, I, I think you're, an, an, an important part of the, the conversation of trolls is understanding that they, this, the substance of who they are and what they do, uh, it can be actually quite complicated and coming from very different angles and very different, um, perspectives, but at perhaps one of the most important views to look at it is, as you're saying, the, the net effect on who's being trolled or or the the target of, of those attacks. And so that's something that we certainly cannot lose sight of. Um, but to just kind of conclude with this, this first source, the third trend that they, uh, they identify is that conventional rules of conversation and human interaction, so how we've t typically engaged with each other in the past, uh, are often modified online, with some users being more willing to re resort to insult and abuse when they have the ability to appear anonymously. This is reinforced by the fact that online users are often hesitant to quote-unquote feed the trolls by calling out examples of hate speech or online vitriol. Such displays of aggression are often mislabeled as trolling and allowed to remain on the site without being censured or removed. Um, and then he goes on, and, and it's probably for another another service in terms of this sort of understanding of what does it really mean to have free speech, uh, what does that even look like in, in the world today? Um, but the, this reality of uh, an a world in which we engage with each other both online and offline and the, each one influences the other and the ability to appear anonymously in the one is going to have actual tangible consequences on how we interact with each other in, in the other uh, is something that's very important for us to, to realize. Right. Um, just an, just an interesting, uh, 
anecdote from a from another uh, source, uh, just on the gravity of of this term and and this phenomenon uh, is the as you can see by the title itself. It's by Jay Hannon, and what it's titled is "Trolling Ourselves to Death: Social Media and Post-Truth Politics." And so, just to give you a sense of what he's talking about, is in his abstract, he says there are at least two ways of framing the problem of post-truth politics. One is to focus on the media or journalism. A second is to focus on media or technologies of communication. So what is actually being written? And, and the second is how it's actually communicated with the, the technology at hand. And so this author says between the two, which, which can be said to be the driver of the post-truth world, his perspective is that it is the latter. It's the actual technology itself. And he goes on to suggest that trolling has gone mainstream, and that it is what shapes politics and even legislation. And he adds a twist to Neil Postman's 1985 classic thesis, arguing that we are not so much as amusing, but as trolling ourselves to death. Yeah, I think that's actually really important, because I think it gives some perspective in terms of how pervasive and how influential it has gotten in our culture generally. Because it's very easy to see it kind of mano y mano, saying, okay, well, there's the troll, and then there's the, the target of the troll, and this is basically between them. But it's one of those things that um, people are passionate about, and then people also uh, enjoy. Like, I mean, they enjoy fights, just generally. That's just kind of how it is. They like the drama is what Lady Sussex was talking about earlier. And when you do that, you get conversation going. When you get conversation going, you basically have a lot of people talking. You start developing sides. You start getting noticed. And then as a result, um, you start shaping opinion. And I think that's where it starts to get dangerous because if you've noticed the the rhetoric and the commonality behind the, the really um, hateful and disgusting rhetoric, as that tends to be in the popular consciousness more often, it seems to take the sting out of it. So the more that nasty racist language is spoken and the more that people hear about it, the more that it's commonplace, the less it's seen as being as bad as it has been. And I think that's, I think that's a real, that's a, that's a real problem that we're facing now is because there's these things that almost, we're being desensitized as a community and as a culture um, by having all these nasty things so commonly thrown about. It, it, it just feels to me or, or my own understanding to what really is going on is that there's a lack of empathy that um, most of us have these days. The lack, whether it's the lack of connections that we don't have because we're more constantly on our, you know, sort of uh, online. Like, with, I believe we spend more time online, like, than even spend with our friends. You know, most of us don't know each other's number unless we go onto our phones or whether or not that, you know, I mean, like, we, we, we don't connect with one another we don't even look at each other anymore um sort of and that is something that i i started you know being conscious of the fact that you know you could be on the table just eating and you just kind of the first thing that you do is that it's kind of like you know a um 
I, I won't call it a um, a safety mechanism. It's almost like, you know, if you're walking on the street, you don't want to be bothered. The first thing that you do is be on your phone or looking at your phone. Like you go out of the way to just completely disconnect. It's almost feel like you are disconnected with reality. And if you are for many of these people, it's appeared to be, that is my opinion, or have been bullies in school. And then now they get to be the bully themselves. They get to call the big shots, right? So they can go online and bully somebody either they hate, somebody that they don't like, not for nothing else because that person is probably prettier than them, smarter than them, or whatever the case is they choose to hate that person for. When you looked at it, what's happening to Megan, there is no other way to explain it. There's absolutely no way to explain it. I mean, we've been sell for as a little girl. I can remember, you know, the countless of sort of, you know, princess book, you know, I mean, thank God that, you know, I have a mother and, and father that, you know, was never accepting those as gift. They much more rather me, you know, sort of, you know, reading Shakespeare and, and, and all these major book that I have no business to be reading at that age for five, but I had a great interest in this book for whatever the reason is. But the reality is, you know, you have a whole culture. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I tell you, for what I've seen they doing to Megan and Daly, and someone that we should be proud of. I think what I was trying to say is just the fact that we've been sell the whole prince and princess story. And then now we have a real one. And you would think people, they say, oh, wow, you know, finally it just come with life. The, 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 you know, sort of, but this is not what it is. It's almost like, you know, of course, it's because that, you know, she's, she is a biracial woman. She's a woman of color, but a well-accomplished woman. A well-accomplished woman. I have not been able to see anything. And not to say this woman is perfect because nobody is perfect. That anything that you know what could resemble something that you will want to troll her about. If anything, you would think those trolls would be like, you know, the ones say, you know, you know, I'm going to protect her because I know people are going to come after her. Then, you know, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, no, I, I hear, I think I, I, I follow you and I know where you're going and it makes sense to me. And I, it's honestly, it's leading me to a place of thinking about what does it mean to be a troll? What is trolling generally? And what is it in the, the sphere of the Sussexes? Um, because I think it is a subset of, uh, of a broader category. Um, and I think uh, maybe just to get to that, cause I think it's actually an important important point at least for me it, it feels important um it was one of the reasons i'm struggling with this word uh troll and trolling is uh, and i can read I'll read a few more things to to explain it but it's that it's not i might this may be um controversial to say but it's not necessarily a bad thing and i'm going to explain why i say that <clears throat> i'm going to read for you three three headlines from a couple different sources, two, two blogs, and actually the third one is from CNN. Uh, and they're just headlines of, of articles, um, but you'll, you'll get exactly where I'm going. So the first one 
the title is Parkland Students Troll the Government and the NRA with Creative Response with Their New Clear Backpacks. The second one, um, and Lady Sussex may have to censor me out of this word because this is a church service, but I also want to give do, do, uh, um, credit where it's due in terms of the group um, in, in Russia. Pussy Riot fined for trolling Putin with pride flags on his birthday. Right. At least four members of the feminist activist collective were detained following the, the action, but that's the, they were fined for trolling Putin. And the third one is the one that's from uh, CNN, actually. It's t- uh, the headline is Ryanair, the, the, the airline, the budget airline, can't stop trolling Boris Johnson. And just to give you a little excerpt from that, it says the budget airline posted a spoof summer drinks menu on its Twitter account on Tuesday. This was a couple of years ago. Uh, mocking the prime minister over a bring your own booze event that was held in Downing Street's garden at the height of the United Kingdom's first COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, just for some fun, the parody in-flight drinks included a bojo hito that includes a dash of deceitfulness and a virgin vax on the beach, though passengers can bring their own booze to give it a kick. So <laughs> trolling in that sense, there's a, there's a, um, this goes back to the one of the first things we were talking about, this sort of subcultural, countercultural, political discourse, go against the grain, uh, challenge convention, uh, stand out, the scandal that you had been mentioning, Charles, something to grab attention and actually that in and of itself is not a bad thing. And you and trolling in, in as you could see, <laughs> Boris Johnson of all people probably deserves to be trolled and to call that out and to actually that can be an effective way of saying, Hey, look, highlighting a problem with a way that someone in a public office is acting in their duty and, and to the benefit of the public interest. Like that's actually a legitimate thing to do and an important thing to do. Well, I, And I, we I, use the word trolling to describe that. Well, I, I, I understand that. I do understand that, you know, if that's how you want to call it, because again, sometimes there's certain things that's meant for good that turn evil and basically the association damage even when you're doing good. And so for me, when you think of standing up for, you know, something, you know, sort of, um, you know, protest something or sort of have a debate, if you want to call it trolling for just telling the truth of what is going on, what is acceptable, not acceptable, have a sense of calm and have a sense of dignity, a sense of respect. And if that called trolling, well, let it be. But the the thing is what we come to know trolling for many people and even me that didn't even realize that, you know, what, how old this word was. I thought it was just a word really kind of, I mean, I kind of heard the word before and I've read about the word before, but it's almost like it was a redefined word for social media. And when I think of it now, when I hear it, I don't see it as all the other meetings prior that I've known that word to be, I've only seen it as a negative thing. This is what it has been. You know, people did tell me, why are you getting, you know, into social media? Have you ever heard, you know, um, trolls? So, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that I think is one of the why I'm so excited to do this word in this service because I it feels I have the same sort of gut emotional reaction to the word itself because it's this negative thing. It's a bad thing. It's how it's generally talked about, but it's also 
something that is so dramatically shifting over the last decade or so, maybe even less, with how fast social media is changing, that it is something that is worth examining more fully to say, like, what what is this actually? What is the phenomenon and how should we describe it? Because it, honestly, it's starting to seem to me like when we talk about trolls in the context of the Sussexes, that's actually getting into this area that the first author that we just mentioned talks about is that there's too frequently are things that are either racist or sexist or xenophobic or any of those things get they just get labeled as being trolls when in fact it's hate speech and it shouldn't be it shouldn't it should be treated with a, a greater degree of seriousness but it ends up getting lumped into this uh, amorphous thing called trolling because of the anonymity because of the uh, not not being 100% sure where it's coming from is it just for their economic gain or because it's what they truly believe and and any of that it's kind of beside the point because it's a whole what this what's going on for the sussexes is a totally different thing it's a it's specific part of a broader uh thing of what what trolling can refer to in today's world it seems to just to me anyway it just seems that it's been getting a lot worse um i think that i mean it's it's become almost an industry in and of itself to me is that it's now just a part of kind of our culture and that's something that people aspire to do and to be. Um, and then I think that you also have, while obviously uh, what's been happening to Megan is absolutely horrible um, as well as everyone else and like kind of the damage that it's, that it's bringing. But also I think that we can't really overlook um, what is happening to the youngest of us either. Because when you start talking about kids in school, when you start talking about bullying, when you start talking about all these things, um, that's also something that kind of um, kind of comes to my mind anyway, in that the, the implications that this seemingly kind of blasé thing does. I mean, like you said, the anonymity and kind of hiding behind the curtain and no one necessarily knows who you are. And, you know, and then also people looking for that recognition from from the internet, from just the, the, the vacuous void of kind of the internet, um, you know, people and especially younger folks having that, that's just something that they do. They, they seek out for that attention from online, from these strangers. And when they get the inverse of that and people are trolling them and people are really chastising them. And, and, you know, I think that's when, you know, one of the reasons why the state of mental health is so poor today like across the board is because um, that's just where it is. You, there, there's just so much, so many more avenues where people can actually attack you um, and have no real consequences. And, you know, and I think that, you know, the state of the mental health for today's kids are, is probably worse than it's ever been. And I think it's, I think, I think this is a part of it. I think this is the reason why. Well, Okay, let, let, let me say this. As you see, all of us here are young, ourselves. We are very young. And I, I, I do believe that, you know, we are part of generation that deal with bullying, that deal with um, sort of online trolling. So what are your guys' thoughts? Why, what, is, what is the mindset? You know, when you guys talk to your friends or you run your friends, what exactly about trolling that is exciting, that is sort of like make kids, you know, um, 
interesting to a point where it could become something else. Obviously, we have friends, right? You know, we have school friends. We have um, people that are around us that are all, we are all internet age. Like we grew up in that. So what is, what is the attraction? What caused that? What is, what caused that effect to what's happening to Megan and Harry? Well, to be, even before answering your question, because it's an important question, but to, to what Charles was just saying, because uh, I think it leads into that, is the first place my head goes is actually how closely it ties with what you had been saying before, Lady Sussex, about this the state of mental health today for youth, specifically, um, and how very different the world is today insofar as we are completely disconnected we spend so much more time looking at our screens and and isolated rather than truly engaging and connecting like we had generations of evolutionarily that's how we did things and we've suddenly stopped doing that uh, so i think those two things are intrinsically linked um and i think that that is also part of what's going on psychologically and this is again as a perspective of someone who's self-avowed non-expert whatsoever in this field. But what it seems like anyway is that there is this sort of um, mental game that technology plays with our minds um, that you get this affirmation from getting a reaction and you have this shield of anonymity um, when you're when you're engaging in certain spheres, that you can go and you can behave against the sort of the rules or things that you were maybe taught to, to adhere to growing up, certain values, and you could say, "Oh, I can actually go outside of the 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 prescribed bounds." You see, there's always like America's funny some videos. There's always like toddlers or so that say, "Don't don't eat this cookie," and they leave the cookie there. And as soon as the parent walks away, they go and eat the cookie. Like we have this we have this urge to go and and break the rules and do what what we want to do and suddenly when you can go and do that online without consequence because you're doing it anonymously and you can get this sort of uh, dopamine type of rush from seeing the reaction or seeing the result of it i think that is the staging ground that is the the fuel the, the the setup in which this phenomenon can can thrive and i think in to to go from there i think it's not too hard to see how we are easily attracted as as a species to hate more more hateful more exclusive more um competitive and competitive in the bad way though not in a good way of making other people less to make yourself better feel better kind of thing um i think that all those things kind of combine to create this this sort of environment let me ask you guys another question have you guys on campus or work ever aware or know or participate in a trolling? I'm just asking. It's important. Okay, so that's it's a it's a really interesting question and it gets back to where my head has been, which is like it's so hard to nail down what exactly trolling is. And I and this is where I keep landing is like it's it is one thing in in this sort of the Sussex's world and what is so constantly levied against uh, Harry and Meghan, but um, 
like as a phenomenon, like as a social phenomenon, it seems it seems bigger. Um, one example, actually, uh, Charles and I uh, could share from uh, from a from past work uh, from trolling a, a colleague in a very friendly way, in a in a in a in a benign uh, sort of. Um, Har- harmless way, uh, but fun for fun for the team that we were we were working with. Uh, this colleague had left their very close with them, but they had left their computer unattended. Uh huh. And so we, you know, walked over, typed up a nice, funny email, and sent to the other members of the team just as a joke. And it was just some ridiculous thing about how, you know, I. Like uh, apple pie or some some sort of nonsense kind of. Joke. You and Charles did that exactly. Mm-hmm. But I don't even consider that trolling. But that, that. It, that's a practical joke. It, it, but and that's those a, are very different things. That's the thing, though, is it? It feels to me. It like feels it to me like the point of being a troll is to be provocative and to again, I mean, going back to the going back to the definition is to antagonize, and it's it's something that's that's hurtful. It, the, the, it's it's meant to be hurtful, and what we were doing. Was not that, what but I don't know if I accept that elicit. definition. Though I don't know if well, I accept it is that. the definition. Well, that's from whatever dictionary put that forward. But that's where I think like this, this, these headlines of like how Parkland is trolling the government and the NRA because they wore, they used clear backpacks because of whatever new policy or was being proposed in terms of safety, safety uh, procedures following shootings. It's like that is that's troll that that is they're trolling this. The, what the government was trying to do and what the NRA was trying to do and 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 that, it was a good thing you know it's not a bad thing in that context but so I there's guess, a but they were antagonizing at least to them they thought they were antagonizing the NRA so it does fit within the definition versus our colleague we weren't necessarily doing that to antagonize you we were actually doing that to make him laugh yeah yeah it's true it's 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 true i think I don't know. I str- I struggle with it because I think there's a is a part of it which is just kind of for me anyway seeing it as this going against the the norm, almost like the disruption of the norm of the d- disruption of the the established sort of discourse, um, which sometimes and very frequently is a bad thing. Uh, well, but it's not and always. the reason why I I wanted to to see this word because obviously. What we are here doing, we are trying to destroy what is happening that we feel that is wrong against her and Megan. And we think that is wrong. But I certainly would not want to be identified as a troll. Because, again, you know, does that make us a troll? The fact is, is that, you know, because I want to look at us. I want to look at what is it that, you know, we're doing? How do we identify with this word? You know, it, you know, what is the effect of this word is doing to real people out there? Because for us here in the Sussex squad, who's promoting love, who is doing really good work out there, promoting, uh, you know, uh, Harry and Megan because of the work that they're doing that we believe in, you know, but I would not want anyone, even if you see the good and you say, oh, that's trolling. The fact that, you know what, hey, you're fighting the medias, you're fighting this, you're fighting that. You know, I would never want to give myself that name. 
And so maybe perhaps that's why I have a problem because again, when you think of the Sussex squads, one of the things that they're doing really, really, really well, it's protect their channel that they don't let anybody coming in and, and, and talk garbage and talk nonsense. And it's usually the same silly, not making any sense, very provocative, very like, you know, that just to get something of you to react. But that's not what we're doing. What we're doing here, we are asking real questions. We are pushing back to a system that is constantly failing us and it was lying to us and we want change. And in and, and any democratic world, this is what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to stand up and say no, because if you don't stand for something, then what is the word that they said? You settle for anything. And if you don't make a, dec a decision, we'll make for you. So we're making a decision to say, this is unacceptable. You cannot be treating someone, especially somebody from our community, whether it's, it's Obama, whether it's uh, uh, Michelle Obama, whether it's, there is Beyonce, whether there is certain people into our community, which we value, which we sort of, you know, said, okay, those are the people that will have the platform, who have the opportunity to present, to, to represent us and, you know, sort of in the, in, in that, in the stage. And so we want to support these people. We're not going to allow you to actually just vilify, crucify these people, especially when they have not done absolutely nothing just because of, to make you feel good because you're jealous because that, you know, you want to be, you not do, you, you really want to do what they're doing and you can't. And so therefore you hate them for that. We're not going to let you do that. We're not going to let you do that. And this is why we stand up and say, no, but we are doing it with love. We are just reporting on the facts. We are putting, you know, you know, sort of, um, reporting what is saying that is not true because we normally you look to the media to stand up and say this is not true this is not happening this is not acceptable but right now with the way things is happening it's hard to actually know you know who's the real media who's the you know sort of you know trolls media and who's the tabloid it's becoming very, very difficult. And many of us that who, who sort of, you know, look to these very important, you know, journalists, people that who does the work, who take their work seriously, you know, who understand, you know, the, the magnitude of the work that they do. These people are no longer there or not there at all or unable to do that work because they are selling us on that hate self, garbage self. Nonsense sells. So what happened to those of us that who doesn't want that? What happened to those of us? Like it's almost that like they completely eliminate a whole group of people who doesn't particularly want to all the time have like, you know, negative shove in their faces. So I don't get, I've never really understand that. So am I wrong to see it that way? No, I don't I don't think you're wrong. And I think honestly, one of the things that I admire about um the Sussex Squad community writ large is you see all the time people say and write you or oh, you don't have to like 
Harry and Meghan. You don't have to do anything but stop doing going above and beyond with these attacks. It's not like you the it's not like the Sussex squad demands everyone love Harry and Meghan. That's not it at all. You know? <clears throat> and I think it goes even to this what this guy wrote, I think, is that and to to play to our one of our, our British uh publications, uh it is uh, an author named David Bry from The Guardian. And he wrote this way back in 2015. Uh, but the title of it is Don't Assume and I'm, I'm an Internet Troll Just Because You Disagree With Me. And I think that's something that the Sussex Squad does particularly well is that there's a, they understand the difference of what is it to be actually going above and beyond in trolling Harry and Meghan and, and Meghan specifically uh, versus just the fact that, oh, you have a difference of opinion if you have something that you could substantiate it with. But I, I, I'll i read just a, a portion of this just because I think he does a good job of uh, even building on also some of the things that, that Charles was mentioning before in terms of the history. Um, <clears throat> he says... Uh, he wrote this article and and about how he doesn't like orange food, and, and someone responded to him said, Ah, a trolling article. Um, he says... That's he complains with the person's what the person wrote about the food that they like, but then he said that's not my main complaint. I'm much more bothered by the accusation of trolling. He says it's a fascinating word with the origins in the earliest internet message boards. It plays off both meanings of a pair of homonyms, the verb to troll, which is a method of fishing, as Charles had mentioned, and the noun, which is the monster from Scandinavian folklore. Trolls try to lure unsuspecting victims into conflict and eventually exasperation with the bait of exaggerated, if not fully fabricated, argument and inflammatory rhetoric. And the person engaging in the behavior is called a troll because he or she is acting grotesquely, monstrously with the safety net provided by internet secrecy and anonymity. Um, he says it's a perfect word for the internet age, speaking to the general sense of distrust we operate under on the web. We receive tweets, emails, Facebook messages from people pretending to be other than themselves or robots pretending to be people, which is an important thing we, we haven't had a chance to talk about yet is that the, the robot <laughs> trolls. Um, and anyway, I, I like the way he ends it because he says, but I think we have more to lose by erring towards suspicion than we do towards gullibility. We hurt ourselves when we dismiss people too quickly. <clears throat> it's just, it's easy to just lob an accusation of intellectual dishonesty out there and skate past any disagreement without engaging it. Better, I think, to suspend suspicion whenever possible to give the benefit of the doubt and to take statements at face value. So I think, anyway, his, his, uh, his conclusion is an appeal to humanity and appeal to community and to connect, true connection. Um, it, it be that as difficult as it may increasingly difficult as it may be in this world that we uh, that we live in but is it the reason why very often that happened it's because the people you count on to set the standard fail to do so and so therefore you find yourself in a situation like that because if you have regulators you have people that, you know, who understand, you know, what's right, what's wrong, and they allow these things to happen, then you will always find yourself in a situation like this. Because, you know, like, for example, exactly what's happening to Meghan and Harry, there's absolutely no reason why the regular network media that value the work that they do, who understand, you know, how important the work that they do, to allow this nonsense is happening on people that share that name. It's like the same thing with the trolling that we talk about, right? 
So it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to share a name, you know, with these people that, you know, who hurt people, but I'm going to say mine does good. I don't know if I'm articulating no, no, it really well, but that this is when if if the people that we're counting on to step up and say, no, you can't do that. Not on our name. This is what it is. Explain to us. But they have been very ambiguity about it. They've been very vague about it. When they do finally commented, it's nothing of substance that, you know, to actually sort of, you know what, create a real change. In many ways, their sort of silence is complicit. So then you have a problem like this where it's hard for people to sort of know, you know, you know, who's who, who's what. We, it's like right now, sometimes we, the Sussex one, maybe not all of them, you know, we can be very defensive because when you're getting it left and right, left and right, even sometimes I realize, even when they do print an article that is probably resemble of being, you know, sort of, you know, positive. We so hungry for it. We jump at it and just let her want to realize that, you know what? Oh, we just been had. I think you're that it wasn't yeah. really a ten. Just like the article we very recently that which we read and we were complimenting the fact that you know what, yeah, and then I believe one of our listeners said that, you know, well, the article was about just Harry and there was no sign of Megan and was completely dismissive of of Megan. And we didn't even catch that until much later. Like this is what I'm saying. Because again, they are protecting their own. Somehow they feel like, you know what, if we comment it or if we say anything, maybe they'll come after us too. But that's not the case. That is not the case. So it's very hard for people to sort of, you know, if no one of substance is standing up and said enough of this, and you looked at all the other royals, everything that is happening with the other royals, and you guys are not commenting about. You are not saying what we are seeing in our face. And then hear this woman and this guy you guys barely heard from. In fact, very recently, where is she? Why she's not out? Why she's not with her husband? Why she's not this? Why she's not that? You guys barely. And yet every single day you guys have a hundred or more article that were negative about somebody they barely know or don't know at all besides seeing her maybe in a red carpet or seeing her you know with her husband i think you're exactly right and i think that that's an important point of when it comes to talking about trolls is these communities which largely operate online it's even was written about by the very first um, author that we called out today is they take their cues. They have their rules l partly from themselves in terms of how they interact with each other, but also largely from the hosts, the moderators. And in this case, it is the tabloids who are setting the, the standard in terms of what is acceptable or not acceptable by saying what they print themselves or what they don't call out or what they don't retract. That is then what is used as fuel for the people to go and then act like trolls. But are they, are they tabloids? Do we make a mistake calling them a tabloid when they are the main source of news of people of England? 
Well, I think that's a problem distinct in England is that – and we actually had this conversation before and I believe actually we had a comment from one of our listeners that actually was uh, you know clarifying the same thing. Here in the States, it's fairly easy to kind of delineate the two things. We have tabs and then we have basically new you know broadsheets and the two things are pretty pretty distinct at least – from a physical product perspective. Uh, the news is getting shadier these days here in the States. But um, in England, they, they are very much intertwined. So it's very difficult to tell what, you know, one page could be complete yellow press, tabloidy, and on the very next page, it could be, you know, world events and actual news and trying to delineate what is actually true, what's actually false, what's actually opinion, what's actually, you know, uh, newsworthy. Um, is a very difficult line to draw. And I think to your point, you know, it's a dangerous one at that. Well, I think we need to move because we can stay in say one. Air. I want to say one concluding thought, one, one, one final concluding thought, because I think it is an important one for us as a society uh, when it comes to trolling, is they talk about, a lot of these authors talk about how it is going mainstream. It's the nature of our political discourse these days. And that is certainly true and something for us to be mindful of. On the other side of that same coin, though, uh, there is a trend. Uh, there's the example I've got for you is um, from Morrison's uh, sham anti-trolling law in uh, in Australia, actually. And there's been criticism of of this law that was put forward meant to t- curtail trolling, uh, which seems like a good thing. But what it actually was doing, in, in some ways, by some anyway. Who are who are critics of of the law say that what it was really doing was empowering the powerful even further to curb dissent, and so this like trolling as a social phenomenon is hugely important, and it's obviously as it is played out in the sphere of the Sussexes specifically is going to have kind of cascading consequences for uh, all of the rest of it, and that's one of, again one of the reasons why it is so important to focus on and support Harry and Meghan in, in, in what they are doing and what they are fighting against. Yes. I think that now we should move in, move on to our next word, uh, misinformation, which is probably come from trolling as well, come from lies, come from hate. So what is the definition? What, is, what does that word mean? What is it a thing? to do when you hear the word misinformation where's that come from sure so misinformation actually was first used in 1605 so it is certainly not a new thing either um and there's really one definition and one definition only it is correct or misleading information that's it that's right plain and, and simple that's it plain and simple and in doing so, actually, I, again, I, I tend to give some context by uh, picking out an example. And the example that I have now actually comes from uh, Canadian press. And they were actually talking about um, the death of Queen Elizabeth II. And really the misleading and false reports that happened, you know, uh, just after her death. And so uh, the opening paragraph of the of the article says that no sooner was the death of Queen Elizabeth II announced than the monarch became the center of false and misleading posts online. They included unfounded claims that COVID-19 vaccine was the cause for her death. QAnon conspiracy alleged that she was murdered. 
and TikTok videos suggested that Irish dancers took to the Buckingham Palace to celebrate the news. So again, and this is just simply a very short snippet of the kinds of things that it is, but you know, again, what it happens to be is the fact that, you know, it deliberately putting out incorrect or misleading information. But again, this is where in a situation, why would people not making things up when you don't have the clear information at first, allegedly what was printed in the death certificate, all age. Then we heard there was a possibility, allegedly, that she may have had cancer. So, which one was what? You know, we seen things that did not look right. We also hear from Harry that I want to make sure she have the right people around her. We hear allegedly, you know, that they tell her what to do. She couldn't even see her grandchild because, well, she had an appointment to see him. And then all of a sudden that, you know, he called and they say, well, you know, now she's busy. We don't know. So, so then, of course, when you live in empty space like that, you don't have the proper information. They're not telling you. Then, of course, you're going to have people coming all type of different, you know, controversy and things like that. And it's hard to know which one to believe because the people that was responsible for this information, it's not giving it. Or when they do give it, it's so like, okay, you say this, you say that. Which one is it? Do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, and that is the problem that, you know, we are having because those folks that were in charge to give us the truth, the information to inform us. So when we hear garbage like that, or people say silly things like that, we can't tell the difference. So, George, what do you have? <laughs> Just for everyone listening, Lady Sussex is very exasperated with me right now because I, I had one too many sources, I think, on on, uh, on uh, trolls. <laughs> so no, I'll, I'll not can't. at all. Not at all. It's She's just taking that, me in the shins. Unfortunately, <laughs> the podcast, it's, it's, it is so long and I'm, I don't know whether people, I mean, no one's ever complained and, but it's just, a barrel. like, <laughs> Well, you know, we will never be him. He is incredible and he certainly know how to keep his audience interested and who doesn't speak half English. So none of us can laugh like him either. Uh, he's, he's got a good laugh. Um, so with that uh, encouragement from Lady Sussex, I'll move quickly. <laughs> Gentle um, encouragement. Yeah. So um, actually, I I don't know if I'm satisfied with the, the one with any of the definitions necessarily. The one that I, um, I got is actually from a, it is titled, uh, disinformation's dangerous appeal. And I understand that's a different word than misinformation, but that's the title of the article. Disinformation's dangerous appeal, how the tactic continues to shape great power politics. It's from the Fletcher forum of world affairs, uh, written by Clint Watts. And it's actually a, a conversation uh, transcribed rather than a, than a journal article. So the forum asks him, can you define what is meant by the term disinformation? 
And this guy named Clint Watts responded, Disinformation is information that is deliberately created to achieve an objective that is knowingly false. This means that the person, the organization, the country, or the entity that is distributing it knows that it is not true, but it's designed to create or achieve a deliberate objective in the information space. And at least according to Clint Watts, he says it's actually rooted in the Russian term desinformatisia, desinformatisia, that definitely didn't pronounce that right. Uh, they invented the concept of it, but when it is, uh, but which is when you make deliberately false information and spread it everywhere. It has to be distinguished from misinformation, which is false information that people share unknowingly. They don't realize that it's fake. They actually believe it. A good example is anti-vaccine mis misinformation. For example, people believe that vaccines cause autism. To this day, many people believe that, but it has been disproven. But people think that sharing the people sharing it think that it is true. So for me, anyway, I don't know if I'm still fully satisfied or not. But at least I'm starting to get a separation of of what is disinformation uh, versus what is misinformation, and and it kind of ties back to what we were just talking about with the role of the tabloids and the trolls, the troll armies that they sort of create is. There's knowingly people who are the moderators or who are in charge of putting the stories out there actually knowing that what they're saying is false and still saying it anyway. And it is designed to achieve a certain objective, uh, that being the disinformation. And then those who definitely, who, who, who aren't better informed because they, that's the source they rely on. They simply, that's, that's what they know to be true because that's what they've heard. And so they pass on. At that point, it becomes from their end. It's, it's misinformation that they continue to perpetuate. Because they may not actually know that it's false. It, well, well, <laughs> it's amazing because that lead us to the the misinformation and disinformation could be all in the same. It depends on who's saying it. Because very often, you know, they will either mislead or disinformation because for legal purposes, right? But let's talk about the Dior thing. For many of the squads. We truly believe, quickly believe that, you know what, that information probably was true. Why? Because, you know, Megan wore a lot of Dior, um, you know, in many of big occasions, she have won Dior and even sort of Harry of late wearing Dior. So there was no reason for us not to believe, you know, that could be the truth or $20 million, all these things. And it, it was a setup for something else. It was a setup for something else. And that is the problem. That is the problem. You have the Netflix things that is, you know, just been in talking. Nobody knows. The Sussex, the Sussexes make it very clear. Anything that doesn't come from us, it's not true. Because these people are not speaking for us. They make it very clear. And why people continue to believe anything that they say, I don't know. Especially when they have been proven to be, you know, liars and talk a lot of, make a lot of mistakes that sometimes they barely corrected, allegedly. It's a, it's a constant struggle. And for me, is is that, you know, I want you to continue, but I could see what's happening because again, it's, it's, it's a strategy that is going to fail again as all the one that's come before it. 
So please continue, George. Well, no, that was actually just the 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 entirety of it in terms of the that first one, just because I liked the trying to at least for myself grasp where does the line between disinformation and misinformation get drawn because I feel like they frequently get used interchangeably, but they, they're two different words. <laughs> they should should mean something different, and it makes sense thinking about it that there is information that's false, but it's not necessarily being pushed because they know that it's false. It's just what they happen to believe is, is true. Um, but it actually, the next thing, um, is actually set, was set up very well by you, Lady Sussex earlier in the show in terms of what does it actually take for democracies to work? <laughs> and the, uh, actually really important, um, article it's it's titled misinformation and the currency of democratic citizenship it's by uh, james uh, kuklinski and just to read a, a little bit from it he says uh this is let me get you guys the date this is published in 2000 so he wrote in the final chapter of voting barrelson lazarfield and mcphee in 1954 make a statement that is among the most influential and widely quoted in scholarly works on american politics the democratic citizen, they state, is expected to be, in italics, well-informed about political affairs. He is supposed to know what the issues are, what the relevant facts are, what alternatives are proposed, and what the likely consequences are. Berylson himself not only rejected these expectations as unrealistic, he went on to proclaim uh, widespread citizen apathy as an essential element of democracy. Berylson's legacy has been his statement of conventional democratic norms, not his rejection of them. But from the publication of Converse's Classic in 1964 to the present, the normative thrust in public opinion research has been unwavering. Citizens should be factually informed. Uh, Deli, Deli Carpini and Keeter in 1996 state... This view eloquently, uh, to state this view eloquently in their book on citizens' political knowledge. Political information is to democratic politics, they assert, what money is to the currency of citizenship. And they give the example, and I think it's just helpful even just thinking about it for, for myself. They say more concretely, such facts as, for example, the percentage of the, in this case, the American public living below the poverty line, how the line is determined, how the percentage has changed over time. Those are the things that provide a foundation for deliberation about larger issues. But again, that analogy they put, political information is to democratic politics as money is to economics. And for me, that was just like a... A uh, lightning bulb, light, uh, a light bulb, <laughs> light, l lightning something, some something, something going off, um, because this whole thing is so it so brings you down to the emotional individual what is happening and how unfair it is and how frequently you talk about how unfair it is you know what's happening to Megan and the human side of that impact. And that is true, and that is really important. At the same time, this broader thing is happening where there is this uh, disassociation of reality from what is being talked about, this misinformation that is being spread by those who are using disinformation strategies in, in Megan's case, and more broadly as well, that the, the, the crisis is also one of 
systemic proportions because if you if no one has the real information if everyone is only working with handed misinformation to have and that's the currency for democrat d- democracies to to survive and thrive then there's there's huge problems charles no i mean it it absolutely is huge problems and like you said, it's kind of hand in glove, and I think it even goes more than just. I mean, it it pairs so well with trolling, right? I mean, this it's effectively, um, you know, kissing cousins to that effect, because what it's about is about the fact of okay, well, look, you're deliberately spreading false information. That's what it's for, and oftentimes trolling is exactly that. It's to pass out misinformation or to or to give misinformation about someone something that someone else has done or even just disrupt oh exactly exactly so it is and it's just as damaging it is damaging i mean when you see what they're doing right now the whole idea that you know she doesn't do her interviews that is a staff that who does it i mean we're talking about this is a, a woman that you know who's very hardworking always would take pride on what she does and was very smart and who done all her research, you know, whether, you know, um, she, if she's going to meet somebody, she find out what is the person about, know the person name and done her work and done her thing. And then now all of a sudden you mean to tell me that, you know what, she's just going to let a staff does the interview for what, what she cannot do the interview, what she's like, because I will tell you guys what is at play here. What is at play here? It's a repackaging of the strategy they kept having that was, that kept failing. It felt when they start with the strategy, Megan make Kate cry. They know what they wanted people to feel about that. They know what they wanted. It's like, okay, you're making the, uh, um, English Rose cry, how dare you, black woman? But that fell because now turn turn around, it was the other way around. But nobody say anything about that. But it fell because we know that was not true. And people that who knows Megan knows it wasn't true. Then they said, oh, she sent email five o'clock in the morning. Who the heck she thinks she is to be working at five in the morning. But when everybody backlash and said, wait a minute, American, we do what you guys don't work over there. That strategy fell. How dash did this black woman coming and sending, you know, sort of um, email at five o'clock in the morning, dare to tell people to do their work. How dare you? Who you think you are? That strategy fell. Then they turn on, you know, the next strategy was that she's uppity. That whole uppity, whatever that means. She's a social climber. As though the royals themselves or people in our society in general, all of us are sort of social climbers. This is what we do. You expect to meet people. You can do nothing in the world unless it's who you know, what your zip code is, what school you went to. You know, it, it just, you, you social climb, whether it's up or down. You know, you, I mean, the royals cannot have a function unless they have a million celebrities, you know, sort of coming to, to, to be play a part of their thing. They're social climbing too. 
So I never really quite understand. This is the people that are saying that these are the people that's going into Windsor, going into these parties and laughing and smiling and bow and everything. Isn't that social climbing? What does that do for their reputations? That fell because everybody understand there's nothing wrong of social climbing. In fact, society sort of almost put pressure on you to be a social climber. To understand your environment, to your friends, whether it's friends we go to school, you know, names, zip code, hangout, places you go, restaurant you go to, you know, what club, what, what theater, everything fell into social climbing. And the idea that, you know, somehow you're going to sell it to somebody that is a wrong thing when you yourself have to do the same thing, that strategy fell too. Then they're starting in, you know, sort of, oh, what Megan want, Megan get, as if like she's a demanding woman. That strategy fell. Then it's like, oh, she's controlling Harry. She's, she, you know, like that pictures that they have with um, her with rollers in her head and then your leash on it and whatever. So like, like she's this sort of, you know, commando woman. That strategy fell too. Then she's the one that, you know what, who making Harry, you know, leaving her parents. Harry hid them with spare. That strategy fell. So now what they try to do is, is to repackage all this to make us think as though, you know, she is a lazy. She's a, they are a scam artist by calling her, what was the word that they call grifters? They are grifters. What, whatever that mean, grifters, grift what? People that want to work People that want to do like, like who are these people? This is what I want to know. Who are these people? Do they understand what type of work Harry and Megan? And I really would like you, Charles, to describe the charity, you know, of Center Valley. What, what does that charity does? Yeah, well, for, for, it's kind of what I mentioned a little bit earlier today, but Centibale specifically, what they're really all about is that they're really all about actually helping the children of Africa that is affected by poverty, inequality, uh, HIV AIDS, especially. That's kind of where, where it really kind of got its roots. It was in, uh, trying to help the HIV AIDS, uh, epidemic because it was specifically bad in Lusoto. Uh, and then also, uh, COVID-19, which was also just as bad. What about well, child, for people that you know who probably not familiar, who just know these charities, but don't really understand the cause, what it is that, you know, the hard work Harry and Megan are doing to support these, you know, charities? Well, for well child specifically, it's all about improving the health of children uh, by providing the best of healthcare services to children and youth wherever they are. But it's more than that because a lot of these kids, they have challenges that it allowed the parents to actually stay home. You know what I mean? To be able to care. If I think, I think I'm correct on that. If I'm not, please, Sussex Squad Nation, correct me. The reality is this is, as Royal Sussex said in 
maybe the last week, or not last week, a few days ago. She is not a head of state. Harry is not a head of state. These are people who make a decision. They're going to give their life to do work, to elevate it. People who is less fortunate or who have difficulty. And so these people who are trashing them, who are doing all this and guess what they're doing? They hate these kids. They don't want these kids to have help. They don't want these kids in Africa that who end up with HIV to have the kind of help, the kind of safety net that they have. They don't want these kids, these white kids that in England that who are dealing with a lot of difficulty. These are the people that you know what they are working against. Because not allowing Harry and Meghan to do the works, guess who it affects? The Kaboom kids who, who this woman waited for 20 years to find someone to actually make a dream for her community. For these young mothers who don't say have nobody to turn to and hear Meghan coming in and help to the uh, 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 um, the kitchen ladies in England that had been affected by this fire where all the royals have gone, done nothing. Everybody comes, oh, we care. All those cameras, what have they done? Here, Megan coming in and really in some ways change those women's life for the better. Whether it's helping elephants, whether it's doing sort of, you know, all the wonderful work that they both are doing. These are the people that they're working against. When the media fail to do their job, this is what happened. They're failing these kids who need that kind of help. You think you're not only hurting Megan or Harry because I truly believe they could just turn it off and say, you know what? I had enough of it. But guess who's lost? Guess who's losing? These kids. And so I think it's enough. I think it's time for us to make them understand. Do they have a problem against these kids that who, who no 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 fault of their own that is contracted a virus that may not allow them to have a future without the help that they're getting? Or these kids with sort of you know issues that born with but because of the help, because of the charity work that it allowed the mom or the dad to stay home and taking care of these kids so they don't have to be sitting in a hospital bed by themselves. Those are the people that these people, those trolls, these so-called tabloids are working against. And it's time that we call it for what it is. Do they have a problem? With these kids. With those families.
Who is these people that want to see these kids hurt? These kids be suffering. Who are they? Who are these people? And that's my question. And maybe perhaps that's how we should leave the show on that question to asking all those misinformation because the last time that I checked and as Royal Sussex said, Harry and Meghan are not head of state. They are not there to change our life or whatever it is that, you know, to make, you know, sort of thing. They are only there try to help the less fortunate the people that who doesn't have the kind of platform that you know what they have or the attention that they have and try to highlight what maybe what their work should have been, what many of us perhaps maybe should be doing, inspire a bunch of group young people to do positive, wonderful thing. And those are the people that you guys are working against. These are the people you guys are working against. Because it's really not about Harry and Meghan. It's about these kids. It's about these kids. So that is my question. So, Charles, if you guys don't have anything to say, let's move into verse, please. Sure. I have, um, I have two. And one is actually... Um, quite interesting. It's different from the verses I usually use. Um, it's a psalm. It's Psalm 52, 2 through 5. But um, it's it's really something. Just It's almost like you can hear it in lyrics to music these days. It almost would be just as good. So here it goes. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor, a worker of deceit. You love evil more than good. Falsehood more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch you up and tear you away from your tent and uproot you from the land you are living. Which I was like, wow, like that is, that is, that is intense. And then Ephesians, which I think is a much more appropriate one to, to end on. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Amen. Josh, can you, you know, pray? <laughs> because I am, um, yeah. Go yeah. ahead, please. Thank you so much, Lord, for another week. Thank you for all of the many blessings um, that we have, even just to be here with one another and, and to be able to spend this time. Please be with us all, especially in this world increasingly polarized, increasingly atomized, increasingly filled with the output of a digital world that we don't even really know what to do with, and we don't know if it's taking us in the right direction or not, and we don't even know how to steer it. But we do know what is right or wrong, and we ask for your strength and your guidance for the Sussex Squad to be an army for the truth, for goodness, for love, to combat misinformation, to 
quiet the trolls to actually fill the space with messages of love and hope and truth so that the world can be a better place. Amen. And I will extend on that. Uh, first, it's a um, pray for a girl, Ivy, who is, um, have decided to end her, her shows. And I like to believe that she's not ending to be a Sussex Squad member. I believe she is. And she's moving on to something different. And I know that whatever she does, it's going to be wonderful because I always look up to her from the beginning of her show as this professor that will coming in with like, doesn't play no nonsense, ready to work, ready to do the work and very particularly and very precise on what she say, what she put out there and she bring her facts and she bring her historical um, thing. There's not, I mean, I don't know how much more I can say about this woman. She certainly has really influenced me a lot and, and, and doing this as well as um, Royal Sussex. And, and I believe she, he also very fond of her as well too. So we wanted to thank you, Ivy, for all your hard work. It's not goodbye, obviously. It's, why am I getting emotional? We see you later. But I also like to extend my prayer to the Sussexes where we are believe and I truly believe we are winning the war with the so-called tabloid in England. But I know they face another reality, another issues. It's Hollywood. Hollywood can be a very difficult place for many people. It's always started with fun, always starting with big dream and many dreams have realized and many dreams have failed. And it sometimes can be a place where you don't know who to trust because everybody has a camera. Everybody want to sell a story. Everybody want to associate with you, especially when you are the hardest and the best things around. But I do know God is with them and I know who, what they stand for. And I also know Megan has been in Hollywood for a while and she understand the game and hopefully God, you will guide her. You will give her the strength to deal with the evils that are out. So we will leave you guys um, with this wonderful song. This is our closing song by Kirk Franklin and Maverick City Music. No, we not been sponsored by anybody here. And we just people who love music. And of course, our church is here. A part of it is Eugene Music, which probably why we can't you know, sort of, uh, <laughs> the word that I cannot say. Monetize. Monetize. Um, but that's not what we're here for. We are here to promote love and to stand up, you know, for the Sussexes and for those kids that who need the Sussexes. So the song's called, I Know I Can Make It. I know that I can stand no matter what may come. No matter what may come my way, my life, my life is in your hand, God. So let's worship together. Have a good Sunday. 
take care of your mental health and call someone today and tell them you love them. We love you, Ivy. Good luck, my friend. Good luck. See you later. Just lift your hands and say, yes. Oh, I know.